Open your Bibles to Psalm 133. If you have your handout that we've used for the last couple of weeks, just turn to the last page, the questions. I didn't make any others, so I'm sorry if you didn't uh, bring that. Uh, I'll read the questions uh, for you. But this uh, psalm, one of the psalms of ascent, um, your Bible, whatever it is, probably has some kind of a heading in it that'll say something like childlike trust in the Lord. And uh, it's, a, it's a power-packed psalm, even though it's a, it's a very um, short psalm. Um, I believe it was Spurgeon, I have it in the other uh, notes that I gave you, said it was a, a short psalm with a long, hard lesson. And, um, and we're looking um, at that this morning. I'm not going to go through it again because of time, because I really want you now to interface with this word and us to be able to speak truth one to another. So that's my hope. So let's, let's read the psalm. As you're looking at it, you're thinking um, the outline that, that I thought best um, described this psalm was, if you see the first verse there, you'll see there's a, a humble trust before um, God. I said 133, didn't I? I kept saying 133. I'm so sorry. 131. Um, when I say wrong things, it's okay to just pop up and wave your hand and say, you know, you did it. You did it again. Okay. Just don't don't feel bad about about that at all. Psalm 131. So you see a a humble trust before God. Hushing yourself before God and then a hope in God. Um, it's a psalm of David. I'm reading from NASB. O oh Lord, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed or calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and for evermore. And so we see uh, in this psalm, um, it's a psalm of humility. It, it, it really if we were to jump into it deeply, is a, is a psalm of contentment. That's what's happening in that, in that second verse. And it's a psalm of hope, a, a reminder that our, that our hope is in the Lord. It's a certain hope. It's not a hope so. It's a hope fixed and true. And, um, and so that psalm shares all that. So if you see the application discussion um, or questions, the first one I had is, how do we pursue living in Psalm 131.1? We talked about that as we um, opened this psalm up. Uh, you see that humility there. How, how do we pursue living in that psalm or in humility such that I can say like David to the Lord, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty, nor have I involved myself in great manners or in things too difficult for me. Now let's talk about that. So, I mean, David, he, he's, he's praying that to the Lord. How, how do we pursue um, coming to that place? 
You'll have to speak up. We won't run the mic back and forth. But how do you pursue it? Sherry? Okay. Amen. It would be similar to what you were saying um, right over here, Joseph and Mary, about all of a sudden your daughter and son-in-law saying, hey, guess what? We're going to get married this weekend and uh, surrendering that to the Lord. Well, I mean, how can you do that? You're my little children. No, no, no. You're all actually grown-up adults. You can do what you want to do. I mean, that, that's a, that, that's, wow, what do, you, what do you do with that? So, um, if you're proud, you may not realize you're proud. How can you tell if you're proud? What's one of the what's one of the little indications you can tell when you're proud? Come on, we all battle with it. Now let's just be transparent. What's one of the ways you can tell when you're proud and you didn't actually realize it? Donna? Well, when somebody treats you like a servant, yes. <laughs> yes, that's one way for sure. But I, th I think one of the major ways is when I want to control the circumstances because I don't like the way the circumstances are going. What does that mean effectively? We would never say that, but when I want to control the circumstances, what does that really mean I want to be like? Huh. God, you really got this wrong. Or God, you need a little bit of help. So here's how we're going to handle this thing. I'm going to pray to you, and in my prayer, I'm going to tell you what would be best, and then you're going to say, Oh yes, great Larry, and you're gonna you're gonna give it to me. Now come on, we would never say that, and I and I go ahead and I, I I'm making this so we smile, but we're talking on a heart level, don't we do that? We do. And and so there has to be a coming to the end of ourself. When you look at verse one, can you think of a time when the God man who walked the face of this earth was able to pray that prayer and in, and in fact did? Sounded different? Where? When? In the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? Could this cup pass for me? Is there some other way we could work this thing out? But what? Not my will be done, thy will be done. Perfect, perfect humility. Perfect submission. And so... David had worked those things out in his heart so that he could come to that point. Notice that this is David is saying this to God. I mean, it would, it would sort of rock you, wouldn't it, if one of your friends walked up to you and said, Well, you know, Doug, I'm not proud, I'm not arrogant, I'm not lifted up, I'm, I, I'm not haughty. I, I only handle those things that the Lord gives me to do. Um, I'm I'm really amazing. I, I, I mean, that would sort of leave you speechless, wouldn't you? You'd be, he'd be thinking to himself, I've known you for a long time, brother. That doesn't describe you. <laughs> um, I mean, you get the point, right? But David, 
David is saying this to the Lord because he's he's worked that through in his heart. He's he's had to he's had to lay some things down. We need to lay some things down. And and this psalm describes that for us. Anybody else got a thought on that you want to say? Doug, I'm sorry. Those are all areas to be careful with that we see as a practical outworking of this psalm. Let's look at verse 2 of that psalm. It says, Surely I have composed or calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. We've talked about that in great detail. The, the difference between a child that's not weaned, that has to be fed, and I have to be fed now, and if I don't get what I want now, I'm going to have a screaming fit. It's not that kind of a child. It's a child who has been completely weaned, no longer needs that from the mother, so therefore is just basking in the relationship and the warmth of the relationship with his mom. And then he transitions again and says, that's what I've done with my soul within me. I've come to that level of contentment. How do we pursue living then that peaceful contentment that we see here in Psalm 32 such that we could say, surely I have composed and stilled and quieted my soul to that level. How how do you go about doing that? Doug, speak up please. Paul said the same thing. You're very familiar with it. Go ahead and um, open just for a moment to Philippians 4. And just think about it in context of what Doug just said and what the scriptures um, say. I'm going to give you the whole background. You're well familiar with, with Philippians, but Paul preaching from jail, a thank you letter, a, a letter of joy, also says to us something powerful about contentment. Doug, what you were talking about, it's a choice we have to make. Paul puts it this way, it's something I had to learn. I had to learn it. Now here's the tough part. The only way I learned it was I had to go through trials where I didn't have enough. I also had to go through the opposite. I had to go through times when I had plenty. 
because I had to learn that it's not whether I'm in need or whether I've got plenty that has anything to do with the relationship. I had, I had to learn that it's the relationship that matters and it's the person of Christ that will sustain me whether I'm in need or whether I've got plenty. Now see if that isn't exactly what Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. He, he learned it by composing, calming, and quieting his soul and focusing on the relationship and leaving whatever the circumstance was to the Lord. He said it even stronger in 1 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 has the word godliness. Uh, you can take godliness, and if you wanted a, a definition of godliness, it's a person who is submitted to the word of God and lives according to it. The godliness is. So he's saying here, telling, sending this letter, often call it a pastoral epistle, but it's instructions that Paul has given to his younger son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, but godliness is a means of great gain when it's accompanied by what? Contentment. When you're able to quiet your soul, pose your soul, your soul, the, the, the person that's you. Don't get too fixed on that. It's your, uh, it, it, it's you. It's this. It's that inward person. It's who you are. When you're able to quiet yourself, regardless of the circumstance, how do you quiet yourself? Do the circumstances go away? Are they swirling around you? Are they threatening? Sometimes are they scary? Sometimes are they all those things? Yes, they are all those things. That's why you have to quiet yourself, and you rehearse the truths about the character of God, about the person of Christ, and the promises of his word. And as you do that, faith is, is blossomed in your heart. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That, that faith energizes you. It renews your mind. You begin to think right, and you, you calm down because you're able to trust in a sovereign God who is good, a sovereign God who is all-wise, a sovereign God that knows everything, a sovereign God that is all-powerful and whose timing is perfect. He'll feed you when you need to be fed. He'll care for you. He'll take care of you. And when your time's up, he'll receive you into glory. And you have that, you have that grace. With that grace comes a peace of a quiet soul. And when you're in the midst of trouble and, and God grants you that perfect peace, that's what it says in Isaiah, right? When, when we stay our mind upon him, we experience that perfect peace. Or we could go back to Philippians again, right? Be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer. That's how we quiet our hearts, by prayer. That's what you were talking about, Sherry, by prayer, but not prayer telling God what I need, praying to God and telling him, grant me the faith to trust you, you already know what I need. 
in, in, in resting in his, his promises. And if I do ask God for things, which is perfectly appropriate, I'm asking it with a hard attitude of your will be done. Your ways are perfect. I trust you completely. You know, you're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I don't know anything, let alone tomorrow or next week, but you do. I do what's best in this situation for uh, whatever it is. And, and, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Peace then comes. A, a, a peace that passes all understanding that other people who are not believers can't understand. How can you be at peace in that situation? Well, it's the power of the Holy Spirit the sufficiency of scripture and those things work together because you're a child of the king and he rules the universe and you've rested in that you can go back to Psalm 131 so number three how do we pursue renewing and living in childlike faith that we can, um, we can live out or have the hope that's in verse 3. That hope's like David, such that we can say, Hope in the Lord from this time forth and evermore. So how do, how do we do that? Crisis comes. When crisis comes and, and crisis ends up being long-term, do you usually... Feel like doing your devotions? I, mean, I don't know. Talk to me, do you? Maybe some of you do. I'm not saying you don't, but the grind can get difficult. Well, how do you? How do you? How do you get yourself to this place? You you have to go back and do the basics, Don. Yes, sir, Doug. Okay. Psalms are full of instructing us. David's Psalms in particular. He, he looks at a current situation and he remembers God's past faithfulness. We, we can all look back. We're old enough in this class where we've walked with the Lord long enough that we can remember other crises. We can remember other times of trials and difficulties. And we can say this with one accord, can't we? God is what? Faithful. Great is his faithfulness. Most of us here at one time or another have been carried through and past the circumstance that when, when you saw it coming, or even if you didn't see it coming, you thought to yourself, there's no way I can do this. And the fact of the matter is, there wasn't any way you could do it. But Christ in you is the hope. And he carried you through. And you sit here now and you look back and you recognize he was faithful. I mean, if you're a believer, how can you not love the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, right? And so, 
we, we remember his faithfulness and we renew ourselves in his word. Yeah, you see, the evil one and our flesh want to figure it out ourselves. That's, that, that's really what verse 1 is about. Verse 1 is about, I've got to fix this thing. I've got to do this thing. I've got to come up with the answer. I have to, I have to, I have to. Verse 1 is all about I, and David coming to the fact and saying, no, it's not about I at all. You've let this come into my life. It's about you. What do you want to teach me? Lord, what do you want me to do? James says in 1.7, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll pour it out liberally. It's always about God. He's always the main character. It's not about you and me. It's about him. It's about his glory. And, and so if it continually come back to that fact, and, and we think it's, it's too simple, I have to do something. But you can't do something until you've settled yourself in the promises of God, until you've taken that word in, until you've energized it in prayer, until you've renewed your mind. And, you know, I guess every preacher stands in his pulpit and reminds his people of that every other day, every other Sunday of every other year. And yet, when it hits, you're glad you've had that in mind. Because you want to have muscle memory. That's what the new lingo is with everybody <coughs> carrying now. Muscle memory. You've got to train over and over again. Because when the attack comes, you haven't got time to try to figure out, how do I get that gun out of the holster? You haven't got time to figure out, how do I hold that gun? How do I load that? You haven't got time for that. Because it's, it's now. It's, it, it's got to be... It has, it has to be second nature. It's muscle memory. We have to have muscle memory with this word. You have to be able to call that word up. You have, you have, this is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And if we don't continually take it in, meditate on it, and memorize it, and then pray it in, then we won't be ready when it hits. And sometimes we're not, because we don't, because we get slack. But we still then need to humble ourselves, verse 1, quiet our soul, remember his past faithfulness, Listen, his past faithfulness is always despite us, isn't it? It's not because of me. It's despite me. He's been faithful and he uses us for his glory. What an amazing thing that the God of all creation decides to use you and me. I mean, just think about that for a minute. That'll scramble your brains. As somebody um, has, has well said, if you knew me like God knew me, you wouldn't listen to me. That's why it's very important that the main thing that I have to say is from this book right here, what God has to say, not what I have to say. It's what he has to say that matters. And so, it's, it's going back. It's doing the same thing. We call them the spiritual disciplines. Right? That, that they must be continually reenacted into your life. The priority of prayer. Um, working on contentment. You know what? I'm way out of time. But I suppose that won't happen starting next week. We've got lots of extra time. And uh, maybe no matter how much 
time I have that would always happen. I'm not sure, but we'll find out. And you can come up and tell me about that. So uh, anyhow, we're, we're through five minutes to go. <laughs> God bless you. You are dismissed. I'll see you next Sunday or else tonight at ice cream.